Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome Isham Nation to the Process This podcast. This is episode number three for those of you out there keeping track. It's great to be here with you today. We're going to have another great lineup for you, starting off the show with what's on my mind. Now, this is where I'm going to talk about different issues, topics, frequently asked questions that are related to sterile processing, followed by mailbox mania. Today, we're looking at the BI and T, which is the Biomedical Instrumentation and Technology publication produced by Amy. Then we have two interviews lined up. Damian Berg, Isham Past President, and Christine Dennis, the President of the World Federation of Hospital Sterilization Sciences, talking about sterile processing on a global scale. It's an exciting show, so let's go ahead and get started with What's On My Mind. What's On My Mind Well, not too long ago, I attended a chapter meeting, and one of the attendees had a question. Well, it was kind of more of a statement about hand hygiene. And the discussion was, how can their facility get their arms around non-compliance with hand hygiene? You know, it was kind of like, how can they get their co-workers to wash their hands? You know, just like my kids, how do I make sure that they wash their hands after going to the bathroom? Honestly, I I think I responded to the question with the typical expected answer of, you know, what you need to do is to work with your infection preventionist, re-educate on hand hygiene moments, and then perform audits. That is an expectation, especially of any leader uh, involved in sterile processing to do those things at their facility. Well, I've had some time to think about it and really think about the concerns of that individual and then also think about hand hygiene. I empathize with that person and find it really frustrating to think about. Hand hygiene is one of the simplest and easiest things that we can do in sterile processing to prevent the spread of microorganisms, especially in the healthcare setting. In sterile processing, we're handling sets, we're handling supplies, we're pushing case carts that go directly to the operating room where patients are at their most vulnerable, right? They're compromised. Uh, They're susceptible to transmission of microorganisms. So I guess the most frustrating part about this is that I don't think there's a magic answer. If we're dealing with a dirty instrument, we would clean it. If the problem was missing indicators from a set, you know, we would put a process in place to correct it. But when our hands aren't physically dirty or soiled, we tend to dismiss uh, hand hygiene, not even really think about it. The only way we are going to get ahead of this is to take ownership of the issue from individually, departmentally, and organizationally. You know, early on in my household, my wife and I uh, really emphasized the importance of hand hygiene. We created that culture. Now, if my kids see somebody not washing their hands, they're quick to point them out. So, even though my original answer was pretty lame, I think it really holds true. We need to make hand hygiene a priority, which might mean that we need to work on changing the culture in our facility. You know, and it's really going to be difficult. 
The first step is to build that relationship with the infection preventionist. Most healthcare facilities have some sort of hand hygiene program. So if you're not involved, get involved. If your facility doesn't have one, well, it's time for you to start one. Get with your IP. Let them know it's a priority. Don't sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. Be a leader. Represent sterile processing. Be the advocate for the patient. Make education a priority, right? Stress those hand hygiene moments and be creative about it because no one wants to hear another lecture, um, somebody talking about hand hygiene. So be creative. You know, do something that stands out for your facility. Lastly, perform those audits. Measure compliance. You know, I've been in several facilities where every department had 100% compliance when they knew somebody was looking or they always made sure that they were always at 100%. Don't be like that. Be honest with your audits. Be transparent with your scores. Post them in your department so everybody knows where they're at. Whether it's 30%, whether it's 90%, be open, be transparent, and be a leader. So that's going to do it for what's on my mind. Let me know what you think. Tell me what works for you and tell me what doesn't work for you. Let me know what's on your mind by contacting me at podcast at isham.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Now it's time for another edition of Mailbox Mania. This is where I sift through all the journals and publications out there and find important articles that deal with sterile processing. I'll give you the highlights so if you hear something interesting, you can find and read the full publication. So sit back and let me do the work for you. Today we're checking out the September-October 2019, Volume 53, Number 5, edition of BINT, which is the Biomedical Instrumentation and Technology Publication uh, published by Amy. The first article is titled, Recovery of Microorganisms in Non-Sterile, Reusable, Loaned Orthopedic Implants. The abstract for this article, currently there are two orthopedic implant types. Sterile implants that are ready to use or processed sterile from the manufacturer, and then second is non-sterile implants that are processed by the healthcare facility. The current study evaluated processed implants for the presence of Colagulase negative staphylococci, which was observed in 30% of the cortical screws, spongy screws, and pins, so with 37 total samples processed by sterile processing. Some samples were resistant to antibiotic agents, therefore uh, demonstrating that risk exists in the current methods used in processing of non-sterile implants. Also important note, non-sterile implants are commonly loaned worldwide. Loaned implantable materials should not be processed in the same manner as materials routinely processed in sterile processing, as it's not possible to know the quality of the cleaning performed uh, before materials return to the loan company. It's not uncommon for hospitals to receive loan materials with organic residue. At the study facility, there was an unexpected and unusual increase in infection in orthopedic surgery cases, 39% superficial, 
37% osteomyelitis, and 24 deep incisional infections were, were observed. Three patients had no implants, five had manufactured implants, and 48 had implants processed by sterile processing. The article goes on to talk about uh, the testing methods used and the samples taken. The results from the laboratory testing showed that 30% of the 37 samples showed growth of that coagulase negative staphylococci, and five of those samples showed antibiotic resistance. Some findings from the research were Loan implants were delivered without instructions, those important IFUs, instructions for use. And then loan implants should not be processed uh, as routine or as the same as your in-house uh, instrumentation. So interesting study. Uh, to find out more or to take a deeper dive into this article, you can find it on the Amy webpage. Now the next article is a roundtable discussion. Uh, this roundtable focuses on how standards or standardization are driving innovation in sterile processing. This roundtable poses several different questions uh, to content experts. So, for example, how do standards help manufacturers of sterile processing equipment innovate? Well, one expert states that manufacturers can sometimes lose sight of current issues that affect sterile processing departments. Uh, such as endoscope reprocessing. Having these discussions during those standards meetings can help drive manufacturers to be innovative with new products. Another question is how does SPD having a quality management system such as with the one described in ST90 help it manage notoriously complex devices and sterilization situations? Another question in this article discusses what benefits might we expect to see from the revision of TIR-12. So past ISHM president Damian Berg says, it is probably the first time I've ever seen a manufacturer type document that also engages the regulators, the FDA, and the end users. So end users being folks like us in the, in the healthcare facility. At the committee meetings, we've been wrestling with what's currently recommended by the FDA the manufacturers, and the sterile processing professionals. There's been a lot of back and forth, probably more than I've ever seen in working groups I've been involved with. All different perspectives being taken into account. Another question asks, what spurred the development of Amy TIR-99, which is the dilator and transesophageal and ultrasound probes processing in healthcare facilities? And what value will it add from an industry and clinical perspectives. In my opinion, this is a great discussion, this roundtable article, and a must read. So check it out, roundtable discussion, and see what the content experts who sit on various committees have to say. Lots of great information that gives some insight into the AMI standards. The last article we're going to talk about today is the evolution of device cleaning standards uh, the conversion from TIR-30, the technical resource document, to the standard ST-98. So some of the key takeaways, the technical information report TIR, that's TIR-30, is being converted into the standard AMI-ST-98, cleaning validation of healthcare products. 
Requirements for Development and Validation of a Cleaning Process for Medical Devices. So TIR-30 really applies to reusable medical devices only, while the SD-98 will apply to all medical devices that require cleaning prior to clinical use. TIR-30 provides guidance to device manufacturers regarding which test methods may be applicable uh, for their cleaning validation, while ST-98 provides guidance to medical device manufacturers regarding cleaning validation requirements. So read this article to find out more uh, details concerning the TIR to the ST-98. All of these articles and more can be found on the AMI website, aami.org, along with information on how to receive membership and a regular subscription to the BINT. So that's going to do it this week for this segment of Mailbox Mania. Tune in to the next episode for more articles that can help you improve your practice. If you work in the United States, you may think that ISHM is the only sterile processing association in the world. Well, that's simply not the case. There are many sterile processing associations throughout the world. According to the World Health Organization, there are approximately 234 million surgeries performed each year around the world, with approximately 51 million of those performed in the United States. Every surgery depends on safe, functional instruments. Most every healthcare facility that performs surgery has a sterile processing department. Sterile processing is performed around the world in highly advanced countries and in countries that are challenged to provide care. Today's program will look at sterile processing worldwide on a global scale. While the basic processes performed are similar, not all sterile processing departments are alike. Different countries have different equipment, different standards, guidelines, and regulations. Sterile processing departments everywhere strive to provide functional, safe instruments for every procedure. The World Federation for Hospital Sterilization Sciences, WFHSS, is a group of 70 sterile processing associations, including ISHM. And like ISHM, each of the sterile processing associations has a membership, a national conference, educational opportunities, and a lot more. Their membership in the WFHSS provides them with the opportunity to learn and share on that global level. The WFHSS dedicates itself to the promotion of the worldwide harmonization of sterile processing departments and decontamination practices by providing a meeting place for a national, regional, nonprofit sterilization societies, stimulating cooperation and the exchange of information and best practices. In this way, we make a contribution not only to ensure that the quality of reprocessing is the highest possible level across the globe, but also to make the basic right of every patient to be treated with a medical device of good quality come true. Integrity and objectivity, openness and transparent cooperation and support are the core values of the organization. The WFHSS hosts an annual world conference each year. Attendees include representatives of sterile processing associations, sterile processing professionals, vendors, and educators. Like the ISHM annual conference, each congress includes educational sessions, 
vendor exhibits, and opportunities to network and socialize. Isham sends representatives each year to this annual conference. Recently, I spoke to Natalie Lynn, our Education Director at Isham, about the World Congress. Natalie has attended several World Congresses, and she says that attending the World Sterilization Congress is a humbling experience. So many experts with so much experience and knowledge that are gathered together in one place. It's a very open and collaborative atmosphere. It's wonderful to hear what's happening, learn about advances in the field and scientific research being conducted, and then sharing with people from all nationalities such a wonderful experience. Developing a worldwide network of experts and colleagues is invaluable. The WFHSS web contains lots of information on education, guidelines, and publications, as well as scientific information about decontamination and sterilization. And if you need a break, check out the humor section for some great sterile processing cartoons, courtesy of Josie Holdner. Join me in welcoming Damien Berg, current past president of Isham, as we talk about Isham and the WFHSS. Thank you, Damien, for joining us today on this Isham Nation podcast. So we have a couple of questions for you. Isham holds a membership in the World Federation of Hospital Sterilization Sciences. How do you feel that relationship really benefits Isham? That is a great question. So I had the privilege of working, and uh, it's called the WFHSS. That's an easier way of saying it, but that's still kind of a mouthful as well, too. Not as bad as Isham's, I guess. But uh, I've, I've got to know them over the couple of years because as president-elect, president, and then as media past president, our responsibilities are to be the liaisons to um, the World Federation when it comes to dealing with educational um, and advocacy type of work that uh, they do and we do. Uh, being a member, we're one a country. So we do, even though we're the international association, we're representing the United States in this type of forum. The United States participates with the World Federation as a voice of this is what United States sterile processing members and association members really are doing what they want, what they want to see. So we actually have a vote with them. We actually have a voice with them and we participate in different educational opportunities around the world. Um, and, you know, again, as uh, the tenure goes, continue to expand and grow. The nice thing about the benefit to our issue members is, again, we are now getting a presence on the world stage, uh, which is nice. There's many countries out there and a lot of them have been doing this a long time as well, too. But we want to not just be looked at in the United States. We want to be looked at as an international authority or international voice on sterile processing. So that's one of the big member benefits we have of being a member. You do a lot of traveling across the United States, and I think you have a pulse on pretty much what's going on in our country. So what challenges do you see in the U.S. that CS professionals are facing today? Another great question, John. Uh, you're absolutely right. I have the uh, immense honor and privilege in this position to travel and visit many states, many sterile processing departments, and many chapters. Not only in a speaking capacity where I get to um, impart knowledge and education, but also in a listening capacity. So I really get to listen to the members. I really get to see departments. I've been in many departments um, and I get to see and hear what is going good for them. Um, I always ask them that, but also what do they need? What's going you know bad for them or what are the challenges they have? What can Isham do to support them? The common theme I hear is, again, they're looking for that next level of 
education, that next level of belonging to something bigger, the next level of recognition. Uh, so they're looking, Isham, how can you help us conquer the challenges we have? Each hospital is unique in their own challenges. Each department is unique. We all have the same basic job. And I see the same trends from hospital to hospital, but everybody's got their own. This is what bothering me. Uh, this, can you hear me on this? Can you listen on this? So I bring that to our uh, executive board. I bring that to our new chapter committee. I bring that to our staff and say, these are the things that I've heard our members wanting and needing. And can we develop something that'll help them? Or can we create some type of program that'll help them or something that will offer them advice? And we're starting to see that this year, more so than I think in most years past with the increase of our staff and the increase of our technology like this podcast. These are the things that we're doing to give back to the membership. You have attended past world sterilization conferences. How do they really differ from what we do here at Isham? The two years that I've been going, I had uh, the opportunity to go to Bonn, Germany, um, where they did World Congresses, uh, was hosted there last year. And this year, I went to Mexico City. Uh, this coming year, in 2019, I'll be going to The Hague in the Netherlands. Um, and again, it's a collaboration. So it is kind of like an Isham on a global scale. Uh, you get different vendors from around the world, some things that are not sold in the United States because they're not cleared uh, by the FDA to sell in the United States, and that's okay. Sure. Um, but we have, I think, 70 countries represented or plus. Uh, it depends on where it's at. Um, and so you get that multicultural diversity and conversations that are going on. A great example, uh, when I was in Germany, we were talking about um, you know, what do they do as far as biological monitoring or parametric releasing or flexible endoscope cleaning? And this is what they do. And then what do we do? They were very curious and hungry to go, here's what the United States does. And they want to know why. And then I flipped the conversation to, what do you guys do? I got to visit everywhere I go. I get to visit hospitals as well, too. So I got to visit hospitals in Germany and Mexico City and see how their practices are and go, you're really doing the same stuff we're doing. Or, wow, that is a unique way of doing it. Um, and then there's some things that's like, well, we will never be able to do that because... It's just not allowed in our country. So those are some of the unique differences. But more importantly, we're engaging in a conversation that I think is much needed on a global scale. Yeah, it sounds like a great forum really to collaborate and really to reach out to different people to see what we're doing and, you know, sharing our experiences. Last question. As the field of sterilization sciences move forward, what advice do you have for the professional who's working in the field or for those that are trying to enter this field? Yeah. Uh, over this Isham conference, I can tell you there's so many people, so many of our members, so many of our awesome members that have come to me and said, Damien, how can I get to be president? How can I work with Isham? How can I be on a chapter? How can I do that? And I tell them very simple, start. You know, <laughs> I, I literally was a sterile processing tech. I've worked all shifts. I've worked weekends. I've done on call. I've been a team leader. I've been a supervisor. I've been a manager. I I got to where I'm at now by just stepping up to it, working with your local chapters, reaching out to Isham and saying, hey, I, I, I can offer you something. I became a subject matter expert years ago and helped develop some tests and write some magazine articles uh, for the process. Well, then the communique, but now the process. Uh, and that's kind of started. And I, I got that passion. I got bit by that bug. And that's why I tell people is, you know, if you wait for someone to come to you and say, how can you, you know, help us? You know, you might be passed by. I, I tell my staff all the time, you know, get your education, get your certification and continue to get certified, continue to get your education. It's kind of like riding a wave. You know, you're a surfer, you're waiting for that wave to come on board. If you're not on your board, when that wave comes, the wave's going to pass you right by. So when it comes to the profession that we have, have all those things in place. So when that perfect wave comes, 
you're on your board, whether that board be your certification or that board be working with your chapter, whatever that board might be, when that opportunity wave comes, it'll pick you up and take you where you need to go. You just need to ride it. Thank you, Damien, for taking your time, uh, for sharing a little bit about what you do, a little bit about the World Federation. It's an honor and a privilege to talk to you. You're welcome, John. And uh, it is my honor. And uh, I hope to see our members many, many times, not only uh, at our Isham National Conference, but also at the World Federation around the world. Well, thank you, Damien. And now I have the pleasure of speaking with Christine Dennis, the president of the WFHSS. All right. Well, thank you, Christine, for joining us today in this Isham podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about the World Federation of Hospital Sterilization Sciences? Yes. As WFHSS is a non-profit association founded more than 20 years ago by Wim Renders, our former president. It is a federation whose members are national associations active in the field of sterilization and decontamination, like Isham. The aim of the WFHSS is to be a part of an overall strategy along with ISO and WHO to uh, improve the sterilization practices and ensure patient safety. It's also important to point out that the WFHS, in the WFHSS, the second S stands for sciences. It's a way to show that we want to promote sterilization as a science and support uh, the idea of evidence-based practices, practices relying on science. How did you become involved in the WFHSS? Oh, I attended my first WFHSS Congress 15 years ago, and I immediately enjoyed uh, to meet with um, people, colleagues from different countries, different cultures, and share experience. Uh, what was striking is that we all faced the same issues, the same challenges, and my first thought was that the solution are sh- the solutions are surely global. And we are stronger and more efficient together. So I wanted to, to help and I joined the executive committee in 2009 and became president in 14. As president, what are some of your duties that you perform? My duty as president is to help to create uh, the conditions for a fruitful uh, networking um, between members, industry, ISO, WHO. It's also to promote WFHSS to help new uh, national associations to start, to participate in national congresses to draw attention on sterilization uh, when it is uh, required. And with the executive committee, because I'm not alone, there is a team, an executive committee. With the executive committee, we implement uh, the strategy validated by the General Assembly, our members. And currently, our main uh, task is the writing of uh, international guidelines uh, based on science, of course and which should help to align progressively the national practices uh, on the same line. What do you see as challenges for the CSSD professional worldwide? Our profession is now facing multiple challenges. We are now at a crossroads. The world of sterilization is changing quickly, and our challenge uh, is to adapt um, by leaving the outdated concepts and accept to think new quality, productivity, safety, ergonomics, automation, traceability. All these new approaches, this new technology must be implemented uh, and benefit to the CSSD. Along with that, 
um, professionalism, education, and excellence of CSS team managers and technicians uh, is more than ever more than ever required to master efficiently this new arising uh, environment. What do you think can uh, best be done to meet those challenges? The conditions to put CSSDs in good position to meet those challenges is first a recognition. The CSSD is an essential department in a hospital and should be recognized and highlighted by the top management. The recognition goes, goes through uh, expertise and professionalism of CSSD managers and also independence. The CSSD must be an independent department and uh, not an annex of the OER or in the shadow of the OER. The CSSD must exist by itself. So the quality management system is, in my opinion, the most relevant tool to position the CSSD in a hospital. It, is, it has the advantage of showing the CSSD as a supplier and the OER as customers with right and obligation uh, on both sides. It's a good start and it leads um, automatically uh, to a separation and independence of the CSSD. Collaboration and sharing information is a, such a positive thing for the CSSD professionals. Can you tell us about the plans for the, uh, the upcoming 2019 World Congress? Yes, networking and sharing is definitely a, a key factor for uh, global improvement. The WFHSS organizes a World Congress annually with 2,000 participants and a big exhibition of um, more than 100 booths. And we'll deal with all the challenges uh, of our profession and also with very scientific topics helping the implementation of evidence-based practices. Uh, it's also a big opportunity to meet people uh, from more than 60 countries and make friends uh, along the different social events. That sounds like a really nice venue. How can our listeners learn more about the WFHSS? Uh, we have a website, wfhss.com, on which a lot of uh, information are available, guidelines from different countries, links to national associations, and uh, in a few months, the international guidelines will be available on this website for free. Uh, we are also on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and stretch. All right, so last question. As the field of sterilization sciences moves forward, what advice do you have for the professionals working in the field and for those who are thinking about entering it? First, be proud of participating in patient safety. It's so important. And then take each opportunity to learn. Be ready to change your habits because practices are constantly evolving and changing as they follow the new findings of research. So do not consider change like a burden. Uh, it's an opportunity. Change is an opportunity. So participate in the change. Be a driving and a creative force in your department. Oh, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Christine, for taking the time to be here with us to educate our listeners a little bit more about the World Federation and, and how we can be involved. So thank you very much. We, we appreciate your time. You're welcome. The field of sterile processing reaches around the world. To learn more about the World Federation of Hospital Sterilization Sciences, visit WFHSS.com. From that site, you can link to 70 different sterile processing associations, 
Just click on the member list and the flag of the country you'd like to explore, and you'll be connected to information about associations and provided a link to their webpage. The next time you think about your career, remember it's bigger than your department, your hospital, your city, your country. It really is worldwide. Again, a big thank you to Damien and Christine for sharing with us today. For listening to this podcast, you can receive a .5 CE credit. Simply scroll down after listening to the podcast to the episode notes. From here, click, tap, or select the Earn CE Now, which is highlighted. Once on the CE site, fill out the required information, answer the multiple choice question, which the answer to, or the code, is WFHSS. Again, that's WFHSS to receive that .5 CE credit. Hey, Isham Nation, we know that you're out there every day making improvements and being innovative and creating processes that advance the world of sterile processing. Don't keep all these great ideas to yourself. Share them with others at the 2020 Isham Annual Conference with a poster presentation. Submissions are currently open. The deadline is January 31st. For more information, visit Isham the website or look on the app by clicking on the conference image. It's getting to be that time of year again. The holiday season and Thanksgiving is quickly approaching. If you're like me on Turkey Day, you stuff yourself with food and then you sit back and you enjoy America's favorite football team, the Dallas Cowboys. But over the years, my family has gotten away from eating the traditional turkey on Turkey Day. Sometimes it's Mexican food, or we'll cook a pork roast or have steak and potatoes. Well, I want to know what you and your family eat on Turkey Day. Email me at podcast at isham.org with your food preferences on this Turkey Day. From all of us at Isham, we would like to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Keep an ear out for the next episode, released on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode is on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. Stay classy, Isham Nation, and we'll see you next time.